It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You're locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Friday, November 20th, 2020. It's time for some ridiculous moments in hockey history. We're looking at John Spano taking control of the Islanders. And uh, the, the gist you need to know about that is that a, a multi, multi, multi millionaire purchased a team, then turned out not to be a multi, multi millionaire. We're going to get into some more of the details in just a second because there is a documentary on it, uh, 30 for 30 by ESPN called Big Shot. We gave you some homework at the beginning of the week, at the end of last week, to go check that out. So hopefully you have come prepared. But even if you did not get the chance to watch the documentary, I still think you will enjoy this episode because uh, we have all the information. I took extensive notes, and there's a lot of hilarious stuff to talk about. Uh, so let's get into introducing everybody. I'm your host, Detroit sports writer Nolan Bianchi. I've got longtime Red Wings fan Ethan Smith. Uh, longtime Red Wings fan slash kidney stone. Uh, oh, I mean the kidney. Ethan, the, the kidney stone kid. Yes. Uh, Ethan Smith here with us today. Ethan, how's it going? I have a kidney stone. So not great? Yeah. Uh, and we're also here with Kyle Demetrius, Lockdown Sharks podcast, who so graciously uh, stepped in and co-hosted last week in the place of Ethan. So Kyle, welcome back. It's good to see you. And once again, thanks for stepping in last week. Much like Detroit's reverse retro jerseys, I am an unremarkable and disappointing white. Ah, but that was a good one. Yeah, it was good. You guys weren't really good either, so I don't. Oh no, ours are complete dog shit. Um, yeah. I think you the and the reason, Jets. The, the really only reason San Jose's aren't the worst is because the Jets and the Red Wings decided to make jerseys. So, and, oh, also, yep. actually, okay, we actually have to take a quick side trip before we get into this because there was something that was leaked online. Uh, or not even really leaked online, but I guess it was tweeted out by the Winger Daily, so I should give them props because they were the first ones who noticed it. If you click on, if you go on DickSportingGoods.com and you go to buy a Dylan Larkin jersey, a Dylan Larkin reverse retro jersey, guess what, folks? It has got a C on the chest. Captain C is imminent for our uh, our young friend Dylan Larkin. Thought that was kind of interesting that they would do that. Uh, somebody's probably going to get fired. But, yeah, looks like Dylan Larkin confirmed next Red Wings captain. I'm so surprised. That's crazy. <laughs> Wait, who did you think he was going to be? He's being sarcastic. That was oh, the only choice. Oh, I was going to say, they only have one and a half. He wasn't players. just the obvious choice. He was the only choice. <laughs> are, you uh, sure? what? are you sure they didn't want to bring back Justin Applicator? Yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously. That's what I thought was going to get it. Kenny Holland would have. 
there was a, I, w- I would say there was a time where you, where you had an inclination that Justin Advocator was going to be the transitional captain between Setterberg and Larkin, but then they just end up not naming one, which ultimately, thank God, because can you imagine because the Justin long, Advocator the was the captain hi- of last year's team with zero the goals and three assists? Of, the long history of captains in Detroit is like how Iserman Fedorov, maybe. <laughs> No, I, was it like how Eiserman, Zetterberg? Uh, I mean, I don't know who was before Stevie, but Steve was a captain from 86 to 2006. Lidstrom from 2006 to 2011, I think is when he retired. Uh, Zetterberg till 2017. And then uh, from there, they just haven't had yes. a captain. So if you throw in like a how, maybe a Del Vecchio from back in the day. Yeah, uh, Ted Lindsay had it for sure. Yeah, sure, that guy. Uh, Advocator really ruins the fun feng shui of the captain's club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I wouldn't have hated, like, just that being a thing. You know, you just look at, like, history of Detroit Red Wings captains. Wow. And the so, captain <laughs> during, like, the beginning, like, the first game of the year at the LCA, they're introducing everybody. <laughs> he comes out last. Uh, and your captain, <laughs> Justin <laughs> it's mrs advocator just like yeah mm-hmm. crickets yeah oh, it's man. uh here i was curious okay so the captains going backwards are lurkin zetterberg litrum eiserman danny gare for four years whoever that is i've never uh, read larson for two years errol thompson uh dale mccourt for one year dennis hextall for a year <laughs> Nick Libet and Paul Woods shared it. Back to Dennis Hextall, Dan Maloney, a whole bunch of clowns, basically. Yeah, there uh, was some Marcel really Dion for in 1974-75. Okay. Uh, Del Vecchio, uh, Del Vecchio for like ten years, and he got it after Howe. Uh, Howe was he only got the it captain. After Lindsay. Wow, Howe was only the captain for four years. Yeah, uh, Ted no, Lindsay Howe was got, the captain of that team. Howe got it from Red Kelly. Yeah. So okay. Ted Lizzie for four years, Red Kelly First for two. At Red Kelly. How for four. And then Sid Abel was the long time before that. <laughs> nice callback. Do you uh do you Sid guys Abel, know? Sid Abel, uh we voted uh Tyler Bertuzzi over Sid Abel in our greatest <laughs> Red Wings of all time tournament. <laughs> Sick. Uh, e- Ethan Ethan was beside himself. <laughs> that's awesome. I am what about, where did Evie Goodfellow <laughs> fall in that, that greatest I, I think he I think he got left off the list of six. 64, shockingly. Can you yeah, guys name... put Damian Bruner on that list? <laughs> what about <laughs> Damian Brunstrom? Was he in there? Um, no, we did guys... try to get Bruner. We had Alfredson, Madano. Uh, who else do we have on there? We had a lot of Madano. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you, guys, can you guys name the first ever captain in Red Wings history? Absolutely not. Uh, in 1926-27, it was Art Sparky Duncan. Anderson. Art Duncan. That's a very 1926-27 name. Yeah, he immediately lost it to Reg Noble. Who's in the oh, Hall of Fame? Damn it, Reg. That damn Reg. Art Duncan played. Oh, the reason that Art Duncan wasn't the captain after that one season is because he moved on to Toronto for four years and then retired. Oh, well, there was, you go. He was 35 years old when he debuted in the NHL in 1926. Damn. <laughs> That's amazing. And then got a captaincy. Yeah, well, yeah. When was Detroit created? 26. Yeah, okay. So they had to pick somebody. Yeah, true. Uh, all right. We should get into this because it's a fascinating story. We only have so much time, and I don't want it to uh, detract from the main event of the evening. Should we start with a synopsis? I feel like that's how we should kind of uh, just lead this off. So basically, 
1996, the New York Islanders were at the valley of their franchise's lifespan. In the 80s, they well, won four Stanley Cups. They uh, won 19 playoff series, four consecutive Stanley Cups. That's an important distinction. Won 19 consecutive playoff series, which is insane. Uh, and then basically from there, things just kind of started to fall apart. They, the, the team was awful. They brought in this new rebrand, the Fisherman, uh, the Gordon's Fisherman logo, all that other jazz. And uh, That was from the early 90s? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was from the 2000s. Anyway. No. Uh, are you serious? That's the most 90s jersey to ever exist in the history of hockey. Cool. In my opinion. Uh, so... It's 1996. Things are not going well. The Coliseum is absolutely falling apart. There's rumors of the team moving elsewhere. And then in steps in a hero who tried to also buy the Dallas Stars, who tried to also buy the Florida Panthers. His name is John Spano. He is a a multi-multi-millionaire worth $230 million. He's from Long Island. He promises to turn the team around. He promises to be a major player in free agency. He promises to not put up with mediocrity. And the high point of this entire documentary is when they build all of this up, right? And then it's announced that he's going to be the owner. Everybody's excited. He's keeping the team here. He's going to get him a new arena or he's going to renovate the Coliseum. Like it's going to be awesome. We're going back to the glory days. Uh, And they bring him out at a game. And they put him up on the Jumbotron and they announce him as the new owner. And the place just starts going nuts. They're like, save us, Spano. And it's this very like cult figure uh, type of ordeal. And the team is about to be saved. But months later, uh, it's found out basically, and we'll get into some of the details in just a little bit, but basically he's only worth $5 million. He cannot afford this team. He was given control of the team because the owner thought that he was good on his word because he had forged some bank statements, yada, yada, yada. One thing leads to another. And this man is in control of the New York Islanders, but doesn't have any money. So uh, long story short, he, he could have really, really damaged the team on his way out, traded a bunch of assets. One thing he did do was force uh, Mike Milbury, who was the GM slash coach, at the time to give up his coaching position to Rick bonus. Uh, they didn't like each other. This, this documentary, they, the most impressive thing that this documentary did was uh, make Mike Milbury a sympathetic character. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike Milbury. What a shitty GM. He's the worst GM in history, right? Uh, he's gotta be, but so yeah, I mean, I mean that is that is pretty much the uh, the crux of the ordeal. One of the craziest stories in NHL history, and I want to get into the actual like documentary uh, on the other side of this break. But just, I mean, when you guys watch this, what, what were you guys thinking? We'll start with you, Kyle. I was thinking that maybe he should have eaten more Built Bars. Uh, yes. Wow. Nice. Yes. That was a good one. I was no, that was I was I wasn't leading oh, into an ad. I was genuinely no. looking for your. Uh, oh, uh, uh, I thought you were trying to uh, get a sponsor. You said after this break, I was like, oh, okay. Um, uh, it's called a tease, the, Kyle. You ever I heard think of the it? Crazy, you guys do I that at Locked On Sharks, or you guys not like to follow company protocol? 
No, we don't do that. We're okay. the bad boys of the Lockdown Network. Um, TM. <laughs> uh, uh, I think the craziest thing is that you yada yada yadded bank fraud in the story of John Spano. Like, because it's the was, least interesting thing about this entire story. But he went to multiple banks <laughs> and got them to underwrite this endeavor because he forged like other banknotes from other company, like other banks to say he was good. And then he gave it to, is it Tom Pickett, John Pickett? Pickett, yeah. owner Pickett. Um, he only had to pay him like $80 million for the team and then another 80 for the, the TV deal. Yeah. And they came up with this agreement where he could pay the TV deal in a five-year installment. So he yeah. didn't even have to come up with all the money. And the thing that undid him was that he had to make a big capital payment Yes, and that's yeah, what so did him. So he, he had to pay half of the money up front. And he had actually secured a loan for, <laughs> I think he was like just, he was only, it, the loan was for like 60 million. He was able to come up with like 10 million. And so he only needed like 10 million more dollars. And, and what's funny is that, that he's actually in this documentary, an all time aggressive bald head. It's, it's great. A, an all-time aggressive bald head in the 1997, like when he had like the he had like a balding thing going on, it was just beautiful. I couldn't stop looking at it. Uh, when he when he talks about this, he was legitimately trying to get away with this. Like there was no end game. Oh. His end game is I win. His end game I was get the only Islanders. And 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 he thought he was actually going to do it after committing an act of felony or like a string of felonies to do it. Yeah, that's the thing is that when he's in the documentary and everything, he's like, I don't think he has remorse over it because I think he just really wanted to own the island. Or own no, the not NHL at all. Team. And he's just like, yeah, I would have got away with it. It was sort of this small detail that undid me. Like he, yeah. he literally is just like, okay, I would have done it and I was close to getting it. And it was just like, I needed like an extra week to get it done but they called in this capital payment and he couldn't, he couldn't like sort it out in time. And he didn't, I think it's, it turned out that he didn't have the opportunity to sort it out because the bank like alerted the other bank or something like that. But if they didn't do that, he would have been able to just find more money and then go ahead and yeah. own the Islanders. Yeah, absolutely. And what's funny is in uh, one of the interesting quotes from this is he tries to make himself a sympathetic character in the documentary. He goes, I put the people on Long Island before myself. I was thinking with my heart and not my head. <laughs> he, like, he tries to make himself a martyr. And that's so fascinating. And like, it's uh, obviously a symptom of being a sociopath. By the way, another note that I have in here, Ethan is 100% capable of this sociopathic scam. What? That's, that's a note that I took. <laughs> You know, the, the weird thing is, is that throughout watching this, you I was know. just more impressed with him. And I'm <laughs> like, know you know, you he were. actually almost pulled it off, too. I know you were. I know you were impressed. It doesn't I thoroughly, me the I was thoroughly impressed with him. All right. I mean, at go. the end of the day, it wasn't a violent crime or anything like that. It was just some, like, white-collar crime. So you can be impressed with it because he didn't really, like, who did he hurt? Right. Yeah, right. Nothing. right. He had a great time. He almost did it. And he, and he was trying to do good things for the people of Long Island. So there's like a part of me that's like, if he succeeds in pulling this off and makes the team a winner again, does anybody care? Um, probably not until they like didn't get paid. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so that's it. actually, we'll, so, okay. So we'll get to that to, to kick off the uh, segment two. First, I got to talk to you guys about built go Kyle. What's your wall when, when you're uh, struggling through the day, what's, what's the wall that, whether it's physical or whether it's mental 
Uh, it's actually like uh, like a stucco wall right beside me because my office mm-hmm. doesn't have any artwork on it. So that's my wall. It's white, like that off-white. And it brings you down, makes you feel like you can't go any further in the day. Yeah, it's like I'm in an asylum. Have you tried uh, taking a Bilko? They, they have three delicious flavors. I don't know if you recognize them. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Uh, have you ever had, had those? Chocolate mint pairs well with a nice uh, afternoon coffee. And after... You took this built go. I'm sure you felt ready to take on the rest of the day. Is that correct? I'm mean, kind of like you, you took a five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Hell yeah. I love that. You uh, are like so many other people out there, Kyle. And I'm sure you're happy to know that you're Thank part you. of a group of people that includes myself who has discovered the amazing world of built go and how it combines its energy gel with collagen protein so that it gets into my system fast and it's easy on the stomach. I never get a stomach ache like I do from drinking a Red Bull or a Monster. Uh, Bilko is lighted, loaded with good stuff to ignite my work, beta alanine, B3 honey, and a kick of caffeine. Bilko then kicks me to keep going strong with B6, B12. The collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better, folks. I know we could all uh, afford to look a little better these days. Visit BiltGo.com right now and use promo code LOCKED. What did you say? I said that Ethan looks fabulous as is. Yeah. Now I have to restart the uh, tagline because Go the ahead. advertiser is paying big money for me to read this uninterrupted. Sorry. Visit BiltGo.com right now and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at bilko.com let's go hey ethan i was just kidding man i didn't i didn't mean that all right what's up guys trey matthews of locked on devils here and let me tell you about discover debit cash back wings for the game boom cash back new lucky jersey boom cash back even a last minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card and yes we said debit card with discover cashback debit everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All right, segment two here at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. I am your host, Detroit sports writer Nolan Bianchi. We've got Ethan Smith and Kyle Demetrius from Lockdown Sharks here with us today. We're looking at ridiculous moments. And how- so here's one thing that I wanted to bring up. What, like, if he had gotten this $80 million to, to be able to buy the team, and then he had, you know, whatever it, however he gets the, the money for the cable package, let's say he just pulls it off in general. I mean, his end game was to buy the team, but he didn't have any money to actually operate the team. So I'm just confused as to how he thinks it would have worked. So I think, so back then there was no salary cap. So you could just be like a dumpster fire and not really pay people. So I'm assuming right away he would cut salary in certain places, but that TV deal also profited him $13 million a year because it was ironclad. But what I'm assuming is that he's going to take that $13 million pay off the portion that he owes for the TV deal that's in a five-year installment and use that to kind of keep him afloat, like a, like a high-level pyramid scheme here, is what I'm assuming he was going to do. Also, I have a theory that he was going to get in trouble soon after that and turn to the mob. 
Yeah, so he actually what's funny about this documentary is this is his like big this is this is his like moment where he comes to the camera and he misses wrongdoing and he he this is like his redemption story. And then he gets convicted twice of the same thing after the fact. After the documentary comes out. He's in jail right now. He's in jail right now for ten years. (laughs) (laughs) For fraud. So he was convicted multiple times afterwards for more fraud. Like I think he's just a criminal. Like I don't think yeah. he was this guy who yeah, was who was yeah. led off the str- led off the path and tried to do something good. Um, I think he's just a career criminal. Also, it can't be overstated that the man was already worth five million dollars. He had yeah. money, and he was Real- thirty three. And he was thirty three. Like he could. He, hey, man, he didn't just look keep building. That's a rough look for a thirty three year old. Yeah, like is, I'm but- thirty one. Imagine if I looked like that. That's 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 a tough scene. It's yeah. a tough look for my guy. That's true. Uh, all-time aggressively bald head, like I said, at 33 years old. Not a good look. What do you got on John Spanos, Ethan, other than uh, he's your hero? <laughs> I think, I, dude, I just want to know where you're coming from when you say that I could be John Spanos, and I would like you're to go really into detail with this. this. You're a sociopath. He you're has, he has a you're, you're 100% capable of cheating, conniving, and lying your way to this sort of scam. I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy. I mean, you are a pretty level-headed, nice fella. Yeah, for most of the time. I mean, sometimes you got got to make some plans. Got to make right. some moves. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I hear about John Spano, pretty nice guy most of the time. What you're he saying? What you're saying is that National Hockey League team. What you're saying is that Ethan is going to come up with this uh, pyramid scheme to buy the Red Wings from the Illich family. No, he'll probably do something less interesting than that. But buy the uh, Tigers. No, <laughs> no, that's how you get. Go buy like a Formula One team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Does, does Detroit scale. have an MLS team? Okay. Uh, no, they made a bid for one. They didn't get it because um, they wouldn't build them a new stadium because they built uh, four stadiums in uh, a bankrupt city in the last 20 years. So, Speaking of, stadiums, speaking of bankrupt, um, one of the things that Spano, <laughs> Spano had told all of the owners is that he, had, he was worth like, what was it, $230 million, And yeah. then he inherited it off of his grandparents. And afterwards, when he got like investigated by the FBI and found out, well, Newsweek dropped out, a dropped a report. Newsweek, yeah, yeah, they found out that his parent, his grandparents' estate is only worth two hundred and eighty thousand dollars, not well, hundreds of millions of dollars. Like this is just this is a pre-internet lie, right? Like this couldn't happen yes, now because right, like, yeah, because people would just Google it or like figure out pretty quickly that he doesn't have money. That he doesn't have a company. Also. He said he has a company that started with one company with like four employees and grew into a six branch company with a thousand employees worldwide. or something worldwide. worldwide. Yeah. Man, imagine living in a time where you can just say like, yeah, I have business in Japan and people will be like, all right. Yeah. Cool. So his, uh, his bison group had employees or had 22 employees and assets of $3 million actually. Uh, Why did he call it bison group? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> An air bison. I think it was some sort of like airplane Sound, rental. Sounds strong. Rental. Powerful name. Uh, I like it. So basically, I'm sure at this point you're asking, how could something like this have happened? How did nobody do the proper vetting for this? Because Harry yes, Bettman, you're, baby. Right. you're right, Kyle. Uh, this is a very pre-internet lie. And the general public, yeah, probably wouldn't be able to figure these things out. But at the end of the day, a uh, multi-billion dollar industry should definitely be able to figure these things out if they need to slash want to but what basically happened was that uh this guy because he had tried to he had made bids at two teams before he made a bid for the stars 
and they were and he was being real flaky or whatever so they told him to kick rocks he made a, a bid for the panthers i can't remember how that one ended up but because the nhl knew that there was this guy that wanted to buy a franchise and they knew that there was a franchise that was looking to be sold they just kind of pointed him in the general direction of the islanders uh, and the Islanders were like, hey, and they were like, hey, this guy wants to buy a team. Like, if you want to talk to him, uh, he talked to the stars. Here's his contact info. The Islanders thought that the NHL did the vetting. The NHL thought that they were just the middleman in all of this. And once they sent him to the Islanders, they would do the vetting. So then nobody did the vetting. And Jim Lights, uh, who is a former executive with the Detroit Red Wings and the man who snuck Sergei Fedorov, uh, on the night of his defection to Detroit. Uh, and a great quote in this, he just looks at the camera. He's like, I cannot believe nobody called us. We could have stopped this whole thing. <laughs> and like, really that's, that's how fickle this vetting process was. So they spent less than a thousand dollars vetting John Spano. <laughs> the <laughs> estimates range from $550 to $750 in 1996. Oh my God goodness God, that's unbelievable what does that even look like like what just like a couple uh that's like me and you being a couple like of yeah, long distance phone calls right yeah i went to new york and uh talked to his former employer like what I, i've had more expensive oh. vetting calls from an apartment <laughs> so in this documentary they talked to like all his childhood friends and they were absolutely floored when they found out he bought a hockey team that, that was so funny they were like they were like no way john i mean like we knew he was doing okay but like to buy a hockey team get out of here we couldn't they believe were, it they were such long island like classic long island <laughs> so avatars weird. like they should have just interviewed them in a diner and been done with it <laughs> Like that, the, a bunch of those guys are like, ah, uh, yeah, they grew up in Queens. Like we've we've seen some dead bodies. Like that's the yeah. vibe those guys were putting. <laughs> we got to talk to you guys about Built Bar. It's a new and improved Built Bar that's even more deliciouser than ever before. These six new amazing flavors that they got. I mean, I've read them over and over again. You guys have heard of them: caramel brownie cherry barcia carrot cake those are just three out of the six and i know you're already salivating so i'll stop right there that goes with their 12 original flavors that honestly frankly were good enough for me built bar didn't even have to come out with these six new flavors because the 12 original are just so delicious but they did it anyways so now when i go to builtbar.com and i start building my box it's almost like i i have a uh, a spoil of riches to choose from it's it's really almost kind of embarrassing all of the bars are covered in 100 percent chocolate they're soft and easy to chew plus i know that when they show up to my door i'm going to be able to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat the bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber great for the keto diet you got the flavor pro let me let me run you through uh, my recent favorite, and that's the peanut butter. You get 19 grams of protein. It's only 180 calories, five grams of sugar, and five grams of net carbs. You really can't beat that, folks. You can't beat it anywhere. And right now, when you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found 
Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life, homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. What do you, they, uh, got, what do you got, Ethan, uh, for any, anything that you wanted to, to discuss? Not really. I mean, you, we're kind of, it's, I just think it's weird that like, dude, how, I just don't get, uh, Gary Bettman literally just goes like, oh, we just thought he was good for it. Like it's like yeah well like uh, and and to a degree like and I'm not do you know do you know why the NHL said they were good for it because when he bid for the stars they were satisfied by a letter supposedly from Comerica attesting to his net worth they didn't vet the letter they just got a letter from quote unquote Comerica and we're like yeah "Yeah, this is this is is chill good job (laughs) it's it just says like from Comerica they're like Comerica (laughs) Bank or I, I guess. Yours truly, America. (laughs) 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 The signature is like Comerica in handwriting. John John Comerica. (laughs) So okay, so I have I just have like a ton of like I had like a running uh, notes here. Uh, At one point, they the Islanders were like, "Hey, can you get us?" so basically, he, there was there was a, a point in time where he only had to pay the extra five million dollars. I'm pretty sure that was when he had to have eighty, and he only had seventy five million. So uh, only he, <laughs> right, right. Well, I, so that's exactly what John Spano said. He said five million dollars is chump change. Don't worry about it. I'm good for it. He called it chump change. So that was great. Uh, that's what ballers do when you're worth two hundred fifty million dollars. Yep. This is uh, this is true. Imagine what I was thinking is like you you guys ever been like like you have a work project or you have a school project and like time's running out and it's due at midnight and it's 10:41 and then it's 11:12 and then it's you know it, the time just keeps getting closer and like that panic of time running out I cannot imagine how it would feel scaled <laughs> up to a uh, transaction of $80 million. Like I cannot like just imagine that feeling of time is running out and I ha- I need to find $5 million. Well, he also did some tricky business, some tricky math. He did the classic, uh, apparently he, Pickett, asked for money on five different occasions for the first payment of the, of the TV deal. And he did the classic, instead of sending 5 million, he sent 5,000 like, oh, whoops, wrong guess yeah. in the place. <laughs> He did that twice because he also sent $1,700 instead of $17 million. And then he did um, send the $17 million and the check bounced. bounced. <laughs> and he didn't show up to the Board of Governors meeting and everybody was like, hmm, that's strange. <laughs> and then after the Board of, and then I'm pretty sure the Board of Governors meeting uh, oh, oh, okay. So uh, Pittman 
or Pickett then asked Bettman to mediate. The commissioner ordered Spano to remove himself from day-to-day control of the Islanders and not use any team assets until the dispute could be settled. This is basically, this has ordered Spano to do so. This is a request. And they kind of touch on it in the documentary, but this was a really touch and go situation because they're like, this guy's a sociopath. He's lied about a million things to this point. And now we're in a situation to where he legitimately could trade all the assets. He could sell the arena. He could do whatever. He could torch uh, vending contracts. He could do whatever he wanted. And uh, he didn't. And that's, that's kind of amazing in itself. And I'm pretty sure that they, they just worked out an agreement where Pickett was like, if you just don't touch anything, I won't sue you. But- yeah, basic, basically <laughs> – uh, Spano just had to give everything back to Pickett, and Pickett wouldn't sue him for like fraud. Yeah, which is like the lightest. The the NHL had to have known that SDNY or whoever was coming down the pipe to to send this man to jail because there's no way if a guy torches like absolutely ruins my team that like I own forever, or whatever, and does all this stuff that I'm not suing him for everything that he's worth. Yeah. So uh, after the deal falls apart, that's when Newsday investigates him they they find he's only worth five million dollars he only has 22 employees and assets of three million dollars in bison group he had lied about and i'm i'm reading wikipedia for this uh full disclosure oh it's Uh, all in the documentary don't worry yeah uh he had lied about numerous items on his resume for instance he claimed to have graduated from an exclusive prep school in ohio but had never actually graduated from a small or but had actually graduated from a small catholic school in suburban cleveland his inherited wealth did not exist uh, you went over that, Kyle. Uh, this is the the great one, too. Immediately after the Islanders feel, deal fell apart, it emerged that Spano owed $85,000 with back property taxes on his home. So not only was this dude this home, not worth $5 million, he was, like, actually poor. And he had, like, this a, home. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say, this home is actually in Dallas. So when he tried to buy the Dallas um stars he invited i don't know if it was lights i think it might have been lights or other dallas executives to his house and when they got there there was no furniture in the house (laughs) it was an empty mansion it's this huge that he claimed was worth three million dollars but it was an empty mansion with no furniture and he had (laughs) he had claimed that the kalamazoo wings who were the ahl affiliate of the stars at the time said he was good for it and like made all these excuses why he didn't have furniture and then asked the stars to pay for the dinners that he was going on with them yeah can we talk about him not picking up checks he didn't pick up any checks and there's a quote i think it's from lights or whatever where he's like it was yeah, I found that kind of odd yeah <laughs> he said he's like too. never in my time as an nhl executive have i ever seen that imagine showing up to a three million dollar mansion and there's no furniture it's just an empty shelf so after this whole Newsday thing, he decides, and, and this is when I realized that this guy's literally just, all he's trying to do is live the plot of a movie because he immediately goes to a Cayman Island, the Cayman Islands, which if, if you're thinking, if you're asking yourself the question, where would I go next if I were in a movie? The Cayman Islands is definitely the answer. See, he messed up though. Brazil doesn't have extradition with the United States. Poli sci major, three-fourths of a degree right here. Yeah, maybe I'm the one that should be buying this team, not Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> um, so, I, there. okay, I actually want to back this up uh, just a little bit. One thing that I absolutely loved was how hard these fans were showing their displeasure with the team in the early to mid-90s before Spano bought it. There was a Save the Islanders coalition. They, like, met regularly. 
there was protests or protests, there was marches. And uh, I was thinking to myself, why are Lions fans not doing this right now? Why haven't we been doing it for the last 20 years? So I actually tweeted that out and turns out there was a uh, march in 2005 called the Millen Man March where they tried to get Matt Millen fired for being an awful GM. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Which I, I, which I still have not yet looked up footage of, but I need to immediately because I, I just need to see it. But like, it just, it's so funny. And this is a complete sidebar and we can move on from this pretty quickly. But uh, just considering how uh, vocal the fans are about like not accepting the status of the ownership and stuff like that. Like really show me, show me, get out there, pick it. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah. Stop see. selling out Ford field. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so here's the, the, the twist of irony that kind of actually does make John Spano. Maybe not such a bad guy in the end. He did actually save the Islanders because he ramped up so much excitement and got them a new TV deal that kept the team in Long Island and got the owner an extra $30 million. What? What? So, uh, yeah. The, the TV deal that kept them in Long Island, that like was the reason why they stayed. That was exclusively because Spano generated all that excitement. So wow, uh, the new owner Buzz got them a new TV deal because the ownership reverted back to Pickett after yeah, after, yeah. and then I guess he sold it to who owns the Islanders now? Nobody gives a shit. It's the Islanders. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's wild that he negotiated oh. it. <laughs> so uh, another another thing, this was a uh, just a, a TV interview, and they they were asking this Islanders fan like right after all the news broke and it re- revealed that Spano was a complete fraud. They're like, how do you, like, what do you think uh, should happen to him? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, I think you should get 30 years in prison for the grief he put me and my buddies through. <laughs> I just love sports fans. Like, I this love is, New York sports fans. I just, insane. Everything about this story is beautiful. It couldn't have happened to uh, a, a better cast of characters than Islanders fans. It's like Long Island is just filled with like longtime families of cops and dudes eating at diners and yeah, all and sorts of crazy shit. And it's just like, this is perfect. You deserve the Islanders. You deserve Spano, Long Island, you insane place. And we will obviously never see anything like this again. For No, that's not true. That's okay. not true. Okay. Here's my favorite thing about the entire, I don't know, saga or whatever. So the NHL was already – so in this whole thing, I have a feeling that part of the reason that they were being so careful is because they didn't want the PR disaster, right? Yeah. Um, so right before that, Alan Eagleson, who is the NHLPA, uh, was skimming money off the clients and taking – so he was already a fraud. Then this whole Spano thing comes, whatever, whatever. Then in 1997, John Regas buys the Buffalo Sabres, and then in 2002, he is arrested for fraud because he is also a fraudulent human being. And then you think the NHL has learned their lesson then. But no, in 2007, the National Predators were sold and 30% of them were owned by Boots Del Biagio III, who had fraudulently obtained $110 million in loans from two NHL, NHL owners and eight right banks in order to purchase a stake in the Predators, a crime for which he was sentenced to eight years. They sold three mm. different franchises to three people who were frauding the NHL. 
the NHL is the dumbest sports league. Okay, well let me ask let me ask you this. Was like the the fraud. Like there's there's different there's different types of fraud. There's the fraud where you're John Spano and you claim to have more money than you do, and then there's a fraud where you're Bernie Madoff and you do have that money because you frauded other people. So, it, I mean, like, this exact situation, and I don't know what the case, do you know if, like, which one it is with those the other na- three the situations? Nashville, the Nashville one is the Spano type. Because they, really? they basically got loans from two other NHL teams and some banks in order to buy this, but they got the loans without having money to pay the loans back. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, wow. John Regas here. Let me click on his wiki. Uh, Adelphia Communications. Uh, Why do I not know about this? Uh, I don't know. John Regas is 96 now. Oh, he's still kicking. Uh, criminal indictment. Regas resigned. Blah, blah, blah. Bank fraud, wire fraud, and securities fraud. The Jeez. executives were accused of looting the corporation by concealing $2.3 billion in liabilities from corporate investors and of using corporation funds as their personal funds. Um, so he was just like frauding out the humans. Uh, but the other one, uh, Boots del Biagio. Which is uh, the a third. Th- amazing name. Yeah, so his real name is uh, William del Biagio Third. His nickname was Boots. <laughs> That's he, amazing. Yeah, he had gotten so loans Italian. from two owners. Oh, yeah. He had gotten loans from the two owners and banks in order to purchase 30% of the Predators, which is amazing because it's the exact same thing Spano did, basically. And wow. that was in 2007. All right, that's fair enough. That's even post dial-up. <laughs> everything's kicking now. Wow. Yeah, that was the 10-year anniversary. Maybe it was just like an homage. Yeah. Homage. Yeah. Homage. Homage. <laughs> okay, so I wonder why those are like, were not as big of stories as this was then. Maybe it was I feel like, like it was the Islanders and there was so much excitement. and I, don't I know. think, too, because Regas had owned the team for five years before, and it was more about his company, not so much the Sabres. Like he was like paying the Sabres and everything. He was a billionaire, um, yeah. but he was just being a criminal on the side. And I think because the Predators, it was more they owned a 30% stake um, rather than like the whole controlling factor yeah. was yeah. doing stuff. So um, Spano did put two and a half million dollars into like. Which is staff. fascinating. Like how did that happen? Where did he get that? <laughs> he, he put his life savings <laughs> in the first day of free agency. And then, <laughs> and then it's just all gone. Yeah, like what? Also, did you guys notice um, he had to pay restitution uh, of $11.9 million, 3.4 to the Islanders, 4.4 to two Dallas businesses, and $1.25 million to Mario Lemieux. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where? What? What okay. is Super Mario doing here? <laughs> okay. There was actually a. Oh, man. I'm actually pretty bummed out that I can't remember this because i remember like it was it was brought up in the actual documentary and then they said why my note my note says mario lemieux question mark question mark question mark (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't i can't actually remember hold on one second i'm gonna pause this thing okay i'm back i found the answer that i wanted to hear more than the answer that i i know for sure is correct so i'm gonna go with that it's from the new york times spano could be eligible for release in 30 months in addition platt ordered him to make 11 9 million dollars in restitution to a group that includes the islanders and mario lemieux whom spano claimed was a friend 
$1.5 million <laughs> for saying that we are friends. Mario Lemieux was like, uh-uh. That, he was so, he just, so offended that this guy said he was his friend. He's like, I, I'm going to need a million and a half dollars. Of Mario Lemieux was for the, on, for the on, tra- uh, troubles. Mario Lemieux was on cancer hiatus for that time too. So like, yeah, <laughs> what? So they couldn't How do you even like garbage human being. Yeah. Oh my They knew he God. wouldn't verify. Oh yeah. That is. Uh... I just. I want to. I wish somebody would go to John Spano now and be like, I just want to meet him. I don't want somebody. I want me. I want. I know. I do it. I know. Is he in I... Rikers? I've been to Rikers for my job, <laughs> not because I've been to Rikers, but I've been to Rikers for my job. Uh, is he there? Could I have just swung by? <laughs> Probably. I'm gonna. I sh- I'm gonna write him a letter. Actually, no way. You can go for a. You can it. go for a conjugal visit. Yeah, uh, I have a quote here from the uh, Gary Brown, an assistant United States attorney, that pretty much sums up the the John Spano experience. Quote: Unfortunately, he could not stop lying. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like me at the bar trying to pick up girls. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but I played for Duquesne University in the NCAA. Did you really? No, but Emily and no. Christina and Cynthia and Sarah don't uh, need to know that. No, you did play basketball in university, though. Yeah, I know I played that. professional too, but at this time I wasn't a professional yet. So, did you really? To, yeah. What position? Uh, we can explain. I can explain this off off air because it has nothing to do with John Spanos. Or oh Queens man! Or Come on, Islanders. dox yourself on this podcast. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I think that's. I think that pretty much draws this to an end. I don't know if you guys have any any final thoughts you wanted to get off or anything like that. No. I'm, um, I'm naming my my I'm naming my first kid John Spanos Smith. <laughs> you should just name him Span, Spano Smith. Oh, that's good too. People will think that he's in the, the concrete <laughs> business or waste sanitation like instantly, but all right. Uh if you guys don't have any more thoughts, we are going to wrap this up. We will be back on Tuesday. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us today. Not sure exactly what we got planned for that, but it'll probably be more of like a newsy uh update. There's some stuff going on with the NHL start date, uh some rumors going around, things like that. So we will uh probably be here to talk to you about that. Uh, We'll see you then. Same time, same place. It's your team every day.
Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.